Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, being recorded prior to, but being listened to while I'm in Toronto. So, space, time, it's all coming together. It's all very weird. Uh, I believe Steve is uh, some sort of... uh, Stephen Strange, is that your your full name before you came over it, it to was, America? Yeah. Yes, yeah. we have our own Sorcerer Supreme. So uh, yeah, I uh, we're doing this podcast a little interestingly today. We're recording it in two pieces, so technically everyone is here, but very few of them are talking to each other. So at the moment, I have Ryan and Steve. Later on, you're going to hear Miles and Mitch. So it's going to be a little wonky, but basically uh, deal with it. It's a free podcast. In any event, how are you, Ryan? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? A little stressed getting ready for TIFF, but or already at TIFF and the stress paid off, but we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, this is like a very Christopher Nolan episode where time is in, is all all over the place. But yeah. Mm. And, and COVID's wreaking havoc with it. I get it. Yeah, that's his next movie. So, mm. yeah, so. It takes place in your nose. <laughs> God, okay. There you go. Never yeah. mind. Yep, Steve? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm preparing our time portal so Ryan and I can transfer to the end of the episode to give our, uh, you know, our plugs. There you go. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Steve. Just don't just don't. This mess is actually with the beginning, and we're just doing it all backwards. Yep. Mm. Just don't mess with Spider Man. I don't think it goes well for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's fair. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, yeah. So what I want to do with this section is I want to talk about the buzz leading up to TIFF. Which is basically Venice and uh, Telluride. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing in that most pundits of, of my ilk go to something, if not more than one thing. Yeah. But Telluride and Venice almost always take place about the same time. So you almost never have the same group of people. Yeah. So occasionally you get the same thing being talked about in two different ways. Yeah. Which. I believe both festivals have is Power of the Dog at both of them? Yes. Spencer. Um, Spencer's at both of them. Mm-hmm. Um the the what is it? Uh the Sorrentino film. Oh, Hand of God. Hand of God. Um Venice had Dune. Venice had uh, Dune, tell you tell right. You right had Belfast. Had... It had King Richard, Cyrano. Yeah. Um Yeah, so let's so let's go through all those. Let's start with Spencer, just because that's the one that I thought I wasn't going to get to see at mm-hmm. TIFF, but I uh, extended my trip for a day. So well, it'll go. be literally what I see before I get on the plane. Well, there you go. Uh, the reviews are largely very good. Alarmingly I f- good. I feel like the truth is that it's probably a half step down from Jackie, but people who love Jackie, which is most people, um, from the little burned that it didn't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make up for it. Because I think if you parse through the reviews, they all agree that Kristen Stewart's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting her to be bad. Mm-hmm. Whether she gets nominated or not or wins is more due to perception about her as an actress than what she did in the film. But that's that's a nonsense issue still to come for the next six months. But some people have talked about Stephen Knight's script being... Just a little more literal yeah. than uh, 
than the Jackie one from Noah Oppenheim. So I wonder if maybe that means it's not going to be quite as well received overall, but if maybe it's more awards friendly. I I think that, well, I, I, I did pre-festival just best picture predictions mm-hmm. and I had Spencer in at the 10th spot and I think it's looking stronger because I think that I think she does have the sort of right buzz from both festivals to land a nomination. You know, I'm not saying a win yet because wins way too off. Um, well, it's going everywhere, but MYFF. It's going, so it, yeah, there's, I mean, it's there's a play, sense of strength. Yeah. It's going to play really well. Probably when you're at TIFF, Joe. And yeah. I mean, I, I have it in my top 10. I have it. Number nine. Yeah. And she's, she's very, um, she's, she's everywhere already. Um, you know, she she literally got on a plane from Venice and went all the way to Telluride. So shows that Neon's very much taking that seriously. So if you're a fan of Flea out there, it looks like that this will probably be Neon's big play, even though they'll try to push Flea. But I I think now seeing the reaction, seeing people going over abundance, and you know I think the difference between Jackie and and uh, you know Spencer will be is that people are more I think familiar with princess diana uh you have the 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 crown being so well loved this past year as well uh you know i i've said this to to many already that you know if you don't think that jackie i mean i'm sorry spencer could win actress and cornyn could obviously still win the emmy uh coming up i mean lithgow won the same year that gary oldman won his oscar so yeah. the dual performances can can happen. Uh, then you have the whole Meghan Markle effect in there as well. Um, I mean, some the of them were a part. little hy- hyperbolic, to be honest with you. Some yeah. of them were <laughs> a little, you know, a little over the top. Uh, but, well, I mean, because because it's the same as, I mean, a lot of actors who don't have a nomination who get the sort of like fan club brewing. Yeah, this happens. I mean, the interesting thing is, I understand this a little better because it's not people who love twilight so you don't have to discount it necessarily in that way which listen if you love twilight go for it but you know that's not necessarily a barometer of oscar fair at the same time she has enough detractors mostly without reason that i get why you kind of have to move to 11 if it's an eight because if you just say it's a 10 they're gonna be like "Eh, she's a five so you have yeah. to go a little ways <laughs> yeah. up. I think, it's, and, I think yeah, the detractors no. are, are starting to fade because it used to be, oh, how awkward she is when she's on stage and when she's, you know, holding a mic in her hand. She's, you know, people felt like she was as if she didn't Yeah, people care. feel like she's not acting. Just the Twilight yeah, she's thing done, is what she's she She's done a couple of appearances on SNL and yeah. she's been in some rom-coms and stuff. Like she's, you know, like she was in Happiest Season last year and she did a lot of great press for that. So I think that for the most part, people in this industry, you know, have, have moved past that. I mean, I'm not equating her to Scarlett Johansson, but Scarlett Johansson earlier in her career was very much seemed like that. And then she did like lost in translation and mm-hmm. her and other films beyond that. And is now one of the big, biggest actresses in the, in the, the industry. And she was a child star for many years. And, um, you know, I think Kristen Stewart, you know, winning the Cesar award, you know, being with so many prolific, filmmakers over the last couple of years and knocking out great performances. I think that, you know, I think that this is one of those where it's just like, we can finally anoint her a nomination at the very least. I don't know about when just yet, um, but, I mean, yeah, uh, but it's got, but it's got that. a great, um, I mean, the direction I've heard is fantastic. The cinematography, it's got a Johnny Greenwood score. I mean, this starts checking off the boxes of, you know, being in the 10, 
Um, yeah. And and that's a good thing for it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, the win, we're way ahead of ourselves about, but yes. that will almost entirely depend upon the year and the narrative and all those things that have very little to do with the performance. So her getting there is step one, and it seems like she's on the road to that. I will let you guys know um, Wednesday the 15th, right? All right. Yeah, so to Wednesday one. the 15th. Is there any word on timing for when the uh, the non-festival f- people will be seeing this? I believe it's coming out November, I think. In November. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. The- theaters. It has an awards-friendly release. Like, Neon, yes. I think, is positioning this as their main player. It's this and Flea, from what I've understood. Yeah, but, but, then, they, but, but they know but Flea is a long shot. You know what I mean? So Yeah, Flea they, they know prob- to make the effort. Yeah, like, Flea is their animated international play um if it's submitted there and then this is their across the board contender and then they'll have little things like try to run nicholas cage for actor and stuff like that you know what i mean which god bless him is not gonna happen though i mean it doesn't not mean it could happen i mean we'll just i would be shocked i mean i would be shocked too joe but i mean you gotta try oh yeah no listen spend the money god bless him like i said if any studio can try to pull out like a weird nomination like that too but he has to also campaign and he has to campaign the right kind of performances have to fade away like i i'm listen go for it it's early i mean he's he's not far off in the in a in the 10 i mean no it's just i mean i don't have him in my ranking just yet because i feel like that's playing with like my hopes and dreams but, but if he got in, I mean, what an inspired nomination. I hope he gets in. That's great. And it doesn't take a whole lot for him to fall up, for him to be like, I think he might be in the next lineup. Honestly, it's just is a little hard to play with the predictions when um, I need, you know, I need another person to also be working with me to do it. So when I'm at <laughs> that TIFF, I don't know that I'm going to be able to like get predictions updated and maybe a post TIFF yeah. kind of thing. But no, I get you. yeah, if I'm looking at my list, like I could easily like, like Fastbender's movie is probably not coming out. Nope. So, and then we, um, God knows what the whale is. So, I mean, maybe the whale, I mean, yeah, the whale, the whale, haven't heard anything. Whale, yeah. The whale is a weird situation just in that. I, I hate when people declare things without having a fact. Like, yes, yeah. I would say if, if you had to bet, the safer bet is on it coming out next year. Yeah. But there's no reason that it can't come out this year. I just I heard think nothing about it. I've heard yeah, no one talk I about mean, it. I mean, it's either they don't plan to put it out and there's just no point in getting people excited yet. Or they want to position it as like one of the last things, which is yeah, a, like a big surprise. Sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But yeah once once i once i let go of that eventually there'll be some more room but yeah spencer will be the last thing i see it'll be the first thing it'll be the last it'll i don't know when i'm gonna review it because i have to like you know reacclimate to society but yeah it will be coming it will be coming and uh speaking of of neon i got i knocked out something i would be seeing at tiff and i may talk about this again later on with Miles and Mitch, because it's it's a movie they're going to go crazy for, but I saw Titan. Oh my god, you lucky duck. That movie is insane. Yeah. yeah. The I mean, like, from what I've heard, the fact that it's won the you know, the Palme d'Or is... Makes no sense. It makes, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, cool. It's great for them. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I have described this movie to a couple people, and they go, uh, what? 
but it but it's I'm one like, of I'm those not making it up but it's one of those that you know it's hard to explain and yet it, it works on paper or like works I'll on talk the about, yeah i'll talk about more with them a little later on but i just want to kind of put it in everyone's head this is an audience movie see it with people because there's some cringy moments and then there's just some like so out there moments that you're gonna laugh that you need other people like i saw it two o'clock on a thursday at the ifc center a uh, neon had us come to a you know real movie theater they just rented out the big theater so we were you know pretty spaced out so it's 20 other critics let's say mm-hmm. and there's several scenes where you just hear people start to go oh because they know what's gonna happen and i love that shit i just love when people are like preparing for a reaction it's great um movie will get zero nominations but still uh let's see so i believe we so spencer's kind of the big thing let's talk about dune for a second because i'm sure we'll talk about it more with miles because he's into it um i just want to point out so i i know a couple people who saw it a couple weeks ago because mm-hmm. you know welcome to the way the world works these reviews that hit a minute after the screening lets out nobody's that good at writing i, I just gotta say one thing joe i think that is completely just irresponsible of the studios to do that I mean, because so, no, because because, and the reason why I say that is because they're more than fine of allowing these critics to see this ahead of time and giving them a screener or giving them a screening opportunity to do it. But when people later on, when it starts coming out towards October, need it, a screener at home because of the pandemic and reasons why they don't want to go to the theater to risk themselves, then Denis Villeneuve will say no, thank you. Or the I'm, Warner Brothers will say no. So what I've what I've heard is I don't believe anyone has gotten a screener. There has been there were screenings in New York and there were screenings in L.A. I do not believe anyone saw it digitally. I mean, you better I believe, hope not. Well, I mean, also, I don't, well, I don't really care. Didn't allow it, but still having also to have that. I mean, it's the privilege of being in L.A. and New York. I understand that, but at the same token, though, it's it's only really for certain publications. Oh, it's mainly just for the, the the junket people, yeah, and for the the trades. Which I mean, if you're gonna get mad about that, you're beyond help because that's just how the entertainment. I mean, and how works. It, it's how it works, but also to release those already, like I mean, well, I mean, that's that's. I know more, you're trying to build your buzz, but I mean, come on now. I mean, well, that's just the way you build buzz. Is mm-hmm. when people get out of the screening, you have the in, the you know the instant reactions on social media, and you can read a review. That's just, I mean, that, that extends to other things like, you know, endeavoring, uh, readers and listeners can figure out some of the things I've already seen mm-hmm. that are going to drop, you know, when the screenings let out a tiff. But anyway, so I had heard some things that kind of made me feel like I'm both right and wrong. So I, and I think the reviews so far, largely positive. Very positive. The exceptions yeah. are the trades, interestingly enough. Well, it's mostly... Uh, Variety and the Hollywood Reporter didn't like it. Uh, not true. Not every... And, no, the people that reviewed it at Variety yeah. and Hollywood Reporter were mixed on it. The overall staffs of those well, places I, that's, liked it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's a little different. That's different. like... You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But I mean, that's like that's like saying whether or not I like something is different than whether well, everyone else I, I understand that, but it. what I'm saying is it's just like, yeah, of course yeah, yeah. the old white guys that are reviewing this didn't like it. 
You know well, I mean? welcome so. to the world of that's who tells people whether or not to see movies. So here's what I think. Not having seen it, I will be seeing it At this diff? weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a, I think I mentioned this, there's a conflict. You can't see that in Last Night in Soho. Well, I think that, them, I think you're making the right choice in going to see Dune based off of the yeah. Last Night in Soho reaction. So the only thing I want to say about that is I kind of feel like the audience screening of Dune may be better. Yeah. I don't know. It may be just whatever is more convenient for me. That's mm-hmm. TBD. But so what I've gathered is people mostly really love it. But the things that I was concerned about seem to be accurate, that it does not fully feel complete. And in hindsight, if they don't make a sequel, which you can't say you know for sure, that's just... No, TV. I don't think you can. I mean, he. Yeah. Even, I, I watched interviews with him this morning, Denis Villeneuve, and he said that he can't confirm with all of his heart that they're making the sequel, but he knows that Warner Brothers and Legendary love it and want the sequel to happen. So, I mean, he would say that no matter what. But yes, well, if we take I would him, say, I would say at- they wouldn't be positioning it as their one or two in the award season as well as wanting it to succeed and having a television series. Well, they don't, they don't really have anything else well, to they, position is the thing. Well, no, they have they have Dune and they have King Richard. Yeah, they have King King Richard is their priority. Uh, everything else is kind of like that's like saying their priority is Cry Macho. Like, would you really choose that over Dune? Well, no matter it's, what? it's Dune. King Richard, and if they wanted to, in the Heights, which I mean, they're they not could, gonna. You know, that could be their gonna, more than Cry Macho. I think they're gonna take a wave the white flag on it. Didn't make enough money for them. They're not gonna spend the money on in the Heights. I could be wrong, but I have a weird hunch that Warner Brothers is gonna do that. If which the gold, if the Golden Globes still do their stuff, or if the critics group go for it, they there could be a late second. Yeah, plunge. that will that will that will depend. Yeah. Dune. I don't even know that they have to campaign that much. I think they're going to go with, it's going to get below the line stuff, whether we do anything or not. It's and just a matter of it gets above the line love, right? Which I'm a little skeptical about just going by again, what I, what I was looking at. And those, those Hollywood reporter and variety reviews are more important. I think for the above the line stuff, because it's very easy to convince a craftsman that Dune is worth nominating, even if they're not like super fond of it. You know, you can you can get someone who works in the makeup department of a, of a uh, you know, to vote for the sci-fi movie, even if they're not a big sci-fi fan. But, you know, is is just throughout a random name. We'll talk about his movie in a minute. Is Kenneth Branagh necessarily voting for Dune? You know, it doesn't necessarily seem like his type of movie unless know, it's so did, overwhelming. The guy that made Artemis Fowl wouldn't vote for Dune. I mean, he hasn't. No, I mean, if that's his taste in sci-fi, who the fuck knows? Um, well, I also I mean. We don't Never know make how a many movie people have read the, the books. Title. We don't know how many people. I mean, the 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 Lynch film, as abysmal as it is, has been reevaluated by people. So you never know. Yeah, what what have the reactions been no, it's for still people who are fans of Dune and people who are new to it? Have you heard any? It I, seems like people. I, I mean, seems I've, like people. I've read that people that that it is accessible to people that you don't have to be the biggest fan of it talk for one second i'm just gonna be right back talk for one second. um I, I i i have heard that the cast is very good especially chalamet it's very you know i've also heard though some of the complaints that you know if you miss a little bit of something or if you mm-hmm. blink you might you might then uh, get yeah. a, just a tad bit lost, but I mean, you're trying to set up this world, it's so not, I yeah, understand. It's world building. Yeah, it's, it's world not, building. I so. don't think I don't think if you haven't seen it, 
it matters. I think it's just going to sound like gibberish because also it is gibberish. Like, I think also Star Wars is gibberish. Lord of the Rings, it's all gibberish. I mean, like I, it's just I, whether you're into it. Yeah, like Joe, like you were saying. I mean, I think the thing that I've heard that this it's actually kind of beneficial to the film is that the movie's script is more. It's the movie is very action heavy, which is good for it for a box office standpoint and visually beautiful. The script is not overly convoluted, but just simple is sort of the, is what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that like... that's good for it, but it's not kind of what I would want, but I understand what they're trying to do. No, what you, what you want and what I think miles wants and what I think a lot of people want is a movie that would fail yes. because it would be the better well, movie, but you just, that's not, what? I just want to. I just want a new franchise. That's all I give a shit about. So I don't care. Yeah, I don't well, care if the movie is convoluted or this and that. I just care if it's good. I just want to see a good epic. And I my, think that, my concern. You know, I've never read the books, but my wife has, and she's just she's just dying to see it, and hopefully it's ha- you know you know half as good as she thinks it's going to be. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just I, like I, I just want a good movie. My concern is that, and a couple of those reviews have have had that feeling. So I'm wondering if I'm going to have that sense. And listen, I want to be wrong. I want to love it. Yeah. Is that I'm going to feel like just as I start to care is when it starts, stops. And that's immensely frustrating to me because I, I kind of know where it's going to stop. Yeah. Like I, I just, I have an overview of the, of the, of the story from like, I feel like I started to read it as a kid, but what happened was I had the video game, which was a command and conquer ripoff, mm-hmm. which was one very fun but kind of gave you a broad overview of what was going on with like House of Treaties and House Harkonnen and all that. So I knew of that stuff. And then when Wikipedia started to be a thing that was easily accessible, mm-hmm. I, I I used to go down rabbit holes of like, oh, I want to know what the plot is of this thing. So I know what the story is. So I've always had a guess of where it's going to stop. <clears throat> and it sounds like it's about that spot. And I'm a little skeptical just because it sounds like it's a movie that stops rather than ends. But... Stay tuned. Listen, I will freely admit if I'm wrong, but if I'm right, I, I'm not going to be shy about saying it. So I think I'm going in in a good spot. Like I'm open to both. Well, I think you have to be because if you go in like some I mean, people you go in fighting anything, you're not well, gonna like it. I mean, there was one review that went out that I thought was so eye-rollingly egregious because was it perhaps from a wire of some sort. It was for a place that starts with an I and ends with wire. I mean, now I'm going to I'm going to just going to say I feel like I'm going to agree with him, but we'll see. Well, I mean, I know do the you largely about, agree with him? It really varies. Like, yeah. okay, we, we don't have to like we're, I'm, we're not mocking him. Like Dave Ehrlich has very specific tastes and he's, he does. His reviews are always entertaining whether he loves or hates something because he is yes. a and very good. Writer. He has a great end of the year video, I will say. And, yeah, he's a he's a very he's. He is a he is one of those people who I'd say it's always worth reading whether you think you agree with him or not because True. he he comes at it from an angle and if you don't agree with that angle it's very easy to just go well that's a different point of view but I do find myself almost always going okay I can see what he meant yeah he 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 was probably the most negative on it he didn't care for it one bit yeah and it was also the most clickbaity title sort of thing to I, ever put on I mean there, also just... you know. I know you, you know got to get clicks, anyone. but also like also you don't. You're a journalist, have integrity as well. You know you, what I, mean? I mean, see, one thing I will always give credit to people for is most writers do not write their title on on bigger sites. I mean, he is the editor. 
Yeah, but there's always <laughs> there's always another person. Yeah, you know. I get it, but you know, I just, I just thought that it's like you know that they were well. You got to play it as an editor, as a per, as a writer in your head, going, and and I, I mean, would just tell them I, what the title. Tell them what the title was. I mean, it was basically like Dune is the most lackluster, disappointing blockbuster of the year. I mean, something along those so, lines. I mean, if you're if you're hyped for it and don't like it, it is very well. No, when so. I'm I look, I'm not the biggest Dune defender in the world. That would probably you know, or you know, biggest fan in the world. Never read a book. I've never read the book. Never read a book? Okay, Palin. I've never read the book. Series. Period. The good book. But uh but I will I will say that um you know, I know that he for sure has ripped into that you know film beforehand. And so what I'm saying to you, Joe, is that it's good that you're trying to go in as neutral as possible so then you can hopefully like it because I think when people go into movies either jokingly or non-jokingly trying to rip a film, tendingly they end up not liking the movie. They Honestly, don't usually I, go is, the other way around. Nine times out of ten, you don't like There is one very notable exception. <clears throat> I remember being at a press screening for a certain film. People were laughing. <clears throat> People were mocking it before it started. People were dancing in the aisles. Ready to rip on this movie. It starts... Within like five or ten minutes, people are quieter, and you can hear the sort of <clears throat> not quite murmur of people talking, but just people paying attention, um, going, "Oh shit, we like this." Can you guess what movie that was? Oh, uh, probably Cats. No. <laughs> See if you want to make a guess. Nah, just go ahead. Magic Mike. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because <clears throat> everyone go... was ready to mock that movie, and then they started watching. Go, oh, it's a movie. Oh, it, well, I mean, they should have known that it was going to be a movie because it's Steven Soderbergh. I mean, he is <clears throat> he has made bad movies before. Yeah, but he's not going to make like a fucking porn, you know. Well, I mean, I, mean, I would even love to though see he has made him. pretty much that. I mean, in the past, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he's hired porn stars. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, but any, yeah, but no, I I think that everyone should also take the hyperbolic. Tweet, you know, tweets of people saying it's going to change cinema uh, it's not. To, to to task and then take Ehrlich's and, and the other way and just go in neutral and just yeah. and not overthink it. It's just going to be a very good movie for the most part on a giant big screen. So. We will see. So um, before we go to the next one, I'm just going to say I don't know when we're recording the next episode because, you know, Tiff. Tiff. Yeah. But I would love to get one out. <clears throat> at, to do every film but i don't know so you'll hear it next thursday no matter what i'm just warning in advance that there is a chance that it will not include every film mm. <clears throat> or we'll do it in pieces yeah and uh I'll, I'll get you know that way we can do spencer and stuff like that but for now Stay tuned there. Um, other things that have played that are worth talking about, sort of the biggest surprise, I think, of the festivals so far is Belfast. I think that that's by a lot of people's estimation. Now, obviously, more people need to see it besides the couple yeah, of people keep, that we keep know. Keep in it. mind that people at Telluride are there to make Oscar buzz. Well, also, people at Telluride are there with the cast taking photos and having lunch yeah. with them and stuff like that. <clears throat> I, will, so, I, will just, I would just advise, think of the last time you've heard a movie get destroyed out of Telluride. Well, yeah. Happen. Or when was the last time this kind of 
adorning love from Telluride besides Moonlight ended up making the film win Best Picture. No, they do they do sometimes win Best Picture. Mark had not a streak time, going for a couple of years of having been there when it was winning, but it is not the be all end all. It's more of a quirk exactly. than anything else. By yeah. the way, we're going to try to get Mark things. on. We're going to try to get Mark on in the next couple episodes to talk about Telluride. Yeah, I'd love to talk yeah. to him about that. <clears throat> yeah, we will see. But yeah, Belfast seems to be the. Uh, I mean, almost dismissively, but I mean, I think they're accidentally giving it more buzz, calling a white Roma. <laughs> yeah, well, I just think it's lazy because it's a personal story in black and white from Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Um, but I've heard nothing but great things about the performances. Uh, there's a Van Morrison song, evidently original song. There's a lot of original songs. There's a there's a there's a little doc that's playing. I think at Telluride that has a Mel Brooks song. Yeah, there's well, exciting. King Richard has a Beyonce song. I mean, <clears throat> that's cool, but she also does not not an automatic nominee. She missed for The well, Lion King, which was a well, slam dunk. I, well, it was no, it wasn't because the movie was divisive Wait, and terrible. Did she also have a? Did she have a, an Aladdin song also? No. Who she, had an Aladdin song? I forgot who. Well, someone big had an Aladdin song that missed, right? Yeah, yeah. not everybody made it in that year. Um, yeah, big but, big names miss, but it is interesting. Well, I, that there are well big names. also, I would say that based off reactions, King Richard is probably a more stronger film than the last Lion King film. That a not a lot of people like. Film. Um, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that Lion yes, King, yes. King Richard is probably more uh, accessible and and people are gonna like that one more. King King Richard and Belfast, we can talk about them together because I think they're sort of like the crowd pleasers of the year. Yeah, they're the lighter. You know, well, I don't know how much of Belfast is gonna be light. Given it, I mean, it's apparently so, very funny as well yeah. as having a sad side to it like it's it's very very like down the line hits it hits a lot of things it's almost as like the sort of slot of a jojo rabbit more than anything else where yeah and not like obviously with controversies and nazis or anything in it but but like in terms of like people well you never know but no but it's the the movie that you just everybody watches it feels very good when they walk out of the theater with it Yeah. yeah i mean steve like steve you like like a like an everyone feels good movie, right? No, definitely. Yeah, like I, I feel like these are these two movies are kind of pegged for your top ten, I would guess. Yeah, this kind yeah, of I looks think... to me, you know, from what I've heard, it, it kind of has a feel of something like a Brooklyn almost, right? You know, like yeah, yeah. You know, that's a good comparison, Steve. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, like, and, like, and like, I don't know that, that it wins anything, but yeah, like nomination wise, could. Well, be. I mean, you know, the cinematography just from that trailer alone looked fantastic, mm-hmm. and then who was it? I don't remember uh, who. I, oh gosh, now you're putting is me it in the spot. I mean, I'll look it up. I think it's a name. Um, not that it matters, mind you. But it also, it's matter. a comeback story for Brana. Uh, I've heard wonderful things about Dornan and Dench, and um, I mean, yeah, the, I the mean, mother. That's, who, uh, that the mother is from one Outlander. Katrina Balfe. Yeah, Katrina Balfe. I've heard great things about the cast. Siri Hines looks good in it. Everyone yeah, and the, and the kid apparently is very the good. The kid is, is supposed to, yeah, that's why the JoJo comparison no, the kids, the kid. The kid's yeah. screwed because um, I mean, um, Cody Smith-McPhee is going to have all the like kid reviews, you know, the kid section of being nominated because he's turning out to be best in show in Power of the Dog, which also has played places. Oh, I, to, I, don't, I don't know if I've heard that. I still yeah, I've think... heard a lot of people go wild over the kid. Um, um well, no, well, I've heard wild about the kid. I'm talking about Power of the Dog. I've heard many more people talk about Cumberbatch than Cody Smith Mafee. 
I, I, so I think it's been pretty close, but there are there are enough people who talked about the kid is best in show that I'm I'm curious. That's um, <clears throat> Power of the Dog, interestingly, I think went into these festivals as like you're a big front runner, and not that I think it matters yet, but the fact that some people have disliked it is almost helpful to me. That it's not going to just be the anointed like oh yes it's Netflix's movie it's Jane Campion like there's enough people who are like it's good but I wish it was better that I'm actually more excited for it. Well, I also think that people started putting this label of it's like it's the new there will be blood and I'm like oh that's not good for it and then sort of people walked out with different expectations. Also, like think that some people have gone out there and uh, the way that they and sorry Steve I know that you do this a little bit too. Um, but talk about its accessibility, and then that movie is never was never in my mind supposed to be accessible. That was all. No, she doesn't. It's the most accessible movie she makes because she is one of the least accessible filmmakers out exactly. there. Who's a name filmmaker? Like there were exactly there right. were less accessible. When, when do I talk about accessibility like that? Like I'm curious what you're. I've heard you talk about it from time to time. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, I think that helps a film, but I don't think it hurts a film. I think okay. you don't have okay. to be the most. And, I, I think, and, I think uh, the Green Knight is not the most accessible film, but I think also think it's one of the best films of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, this is uh, the DP is uh, Harris Zembarkalukas, a uh, Greek uh, DP who works with uh, Kenneth Branagh all the time. So, oh. make of that what you will, because this is the cinematographer <laughs> of four. Yeah, well, that's fair, but at the same time, though, foul. I mean. You know, everybody every now and then makes a project oh, yeah, no, that's listen. their best or their work. You know what I mean? Oh no, I've I've talked of, I've talked I was on I was on a podcast recently talking about primary colors and just kind of in a side note, I was like, no matter what, the worst filmmaker, give or take like an Uwe Bowl, is still way better than any of us. <laughs> like Well you don't want listen. Well, I mean, as a general rule. Give me give me the give me the tools. Maybe i maybe I can do something. You never bit, know. You know. But you know. you know, even I was like I, I thought of like a random name, like a Walt Becker. Yeah. Like nobody would consider him a good filmmaker, but he's mm-hmm. made like a passable film or two and like the camera is pointed in the right direction. Like this person knows how to make a movie. The material yeah. he's making is is poor oftentimes, but But anyway, you know, yeah, like, but but Brana is a is He's a skilled director who hasn't when been he good at his job. When he wants bit. to make something really good, and it could be, you know, it, it could be very personal. It could be his Roma. It could be like, like Sam Mendes was uh, 1917 was very personal to him. Um, yeah, personal so, helps. Yeah, personal does help you. And I think, um, you know, I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, obviously, I expect Joe that to play very well at tiff and maybe it's an audience award contender oh yeah because um, if you look at if you look at uh it's been a while since you can say like he's made a movie everyone's like yeah exactly because like so here henry v does great right mm-hmm. everyone's very fond of that does well everyone's thrilled it's it's fucking not eight hours long yep but dead again people okay. like dead again mm-hmm but that's that's you know, and that that that's fine. Have any has anyone seen Peter's Friends? Nope. Yes, exactly. I think I don't think Peter's Friends have even seen Peter's Friends. Yeah. Uh, much Ado About Nothing. Good movie. It's good, but I, I think good. it's 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 starting to do that thing of like, oh, you're just you're gonna be the the Shit. guy who does that. You're gonna be the. Shit and he does Franken. And he does Frankenstein. Just. I'll say divisive is probably the best way to yeah, put that. I was going to say divisive at best. So since then, in the bleak of, of midwinter. Did he not do Hamlet? Did, 
He didn't. Hamlet came next. Okay. Okay. So Hamlet. Hamlet's really good. His Hamlet Hamlet's is good. Very it's good. also I, I two hundred forty two minutes is unforgivable. Yeah, it's a lot. It's but long, yes. but it's it did good. it did well. Yeah. I mean, I think they had better expectations for it. But since then, so since Hamlet, that's nineteen ninety six. Love's Labor Lost. Okay. Fine. Whatever. As you like it, which I don't know that I've seen. Mm-hmm. The Magic Flute. And then the ones people are going to know. Sleuth, the remake of Sleuth, pointless. Not a bad movie, but no reason to make that movie. Besides kind of the cuteness of like, oh, we're going to have Michael Caine play the older role this time. Just not a... It also made no money, so like nobody cared about it. Then he made Thor. Completely forgettable. In terms of his direction. Okay? It's a fine MCU movie, per se. Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Anything about that? Don't even remember that. I remember that movie. I didn't hate it. It was it was very blah. Yeah. Like it was a it was a it was a big attempt at making a franchise without really trying to make a franchise. Also, it started this weird run where he's like, I guess I'll be in your movie. I'll direct it too. Um, Cinderella, meh, at best. I mean, better than the new one, but that's also really low. I mean, it made a lot of money is what helped him. Because then Murder on the Orient Express, I didn't like. I know it's, like, fair. I don't think people hated it. Uh, All is True, the uh, the movie that we thought for a second was going to be an awards player and then just barely got released. Artemis Fowl, which is almost unwatchable. Death on the Nile, which is delayed to next year and now Belfast. So, I mean, he's been due. Yeah. No, he's totally been due. Um, but I, I I said, and I know I'm making the transition. Sorry, Joe. Um, but I, I totally thought going into this, and I'm glad to see I'm more so correct than others um, about... Uh, Cause I was, I wasn't surprised about Belfast just because I had heard rumblings about it being that. And, um, well, it was, and, it was dated in a very promising yes, way. And it was like, and then they had announced that it moved from its premiere of TIFF to Telluride. And it's like, Oh, they have a real confidence in it. Uh, I believe it's focus features if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, um, but King Richard and the response that it got, this movie to me, and I've been saying it already, I think that this one has the markings for Warner Brothers to yeah, I know that they really want Dune to be their big player and everything because they wanted to get all the texts and and you know and build their franchise and everything with it. But this is the one where I really think it's more than just Will Smith. I really could see a screenplay. Anjanu Ellis getting in supporting actress. Maybe. Uh, I mean you know, th- I, I really so- I really I I mean People love a good story. The Williams sisters are very popular um, and the reactions were nothing short of spectacular. And um, everyone loved Will Smith. It seemed like in the film, I was surprised he didn't show up to any events, but that's, you know, the director was there. You saw not just critics, but then of course, like somebody like Barry Jenkins went out there and embraced it, said it was beautiful. So that's, that's another crowd pleaser. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I need, I just need to see how it plays outside of a festival. I don't have any reason to expect it not to continue. Well, I think to play. this is the only festival it's playing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because Warner so. Brothers is again weird with their festivals. So yeah, uh, but I, no, but it builds good buzz, and now it can just go to audiences and sports movies do well in like editing and sound and stuff. So yeah, the one the one concern is that 
it really is one that could have used the big box office and uh, HBO Max is not going to get at that. No, 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 you're right. But I do feel like this is a movie that like a lot of people will watch during because it's coming out in November. So that would be a very good time. We're buzzed for it. Um, it were like Thanksgiving and families to see it. Like it's it, this movie will be very accessible. And I do think, um, people will see it in theaters because Will Smith is still a draw. Um, probably potentially. So I mean, I'll get some cash. It won't, it won't make the money that, you know, like Shang-Chi is making, um, but, but, you know, being exclusive there, but who knows, you know, maybe some more, I mean, obviously Warner brothers isn't going to make this deal, but other studios are going to probably see Shang-Chi as a good sign and not move any more movies. We'll see. I mean, that's, that's more pandemic related and and where we're at, but yeah, I think, I think Belfast is really moving up charts a lot. I'd heard King Richard was good a while ago. I just, I want to see it to sort of figure out. Cause the one thing you want to be a little cautious about is, and this is not a, a, I have it in picture, so like, don't get me wrong, but is it doing better than some other buzzed about titles because it's a more mainstream movie at a festival? You know, like I, I think, well, I, I freely admit, that... I freely admit, like the guilty, like Netflix has the guilty at TIFF. It's there just so you can have a genre movie right in the middle of the festival, and you'd be like, oh, I haven't watched anyone like a cops and robbers type movie. Extra yeah, half star. Not, I don't think that that's doing anything. No, no, no. It's meant to be or like, like Netflix has that one with um the western. Which one's that one? Um, the harder they fall. Yeah, the harder they fall. Like that's not going to happen. But that's not going anywhere. That's a crowd pleaser, but that's not like a crowd pleaser awards player. No, that's but they, they throw it in the middle because yeah. it, it stands out more. So we'll see. Exactly. I mean, you I know. just want to know how how the sort of broader swath of people feel about it. So before we, we wrap up, let's talk about a couple other films. Come On, Come On played at Telluride, I think, before it goes to New York. Played at Venice too, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, maybe. I know. I know it was. It, it was at Tell Your Was that both? Was, I believe because the first thing I think it was mentioned for was New York, but okay. it wasn't listed as a premiere. So you went, uh, what does that mean? Uh, reviews are good. I I feel like it's destined to be shut out. It just seems a little if too it, mellow. Yeah, it feels like. Well, it just feels like a good Mike Mills movie, but nothing yeah, more than that, and that's fine. I want one of those every two or three years, so I'm fine. Exactly. Like um, also playing. We had Red Rocket, which was at Cannes, continues to largely please people. Um, that's going to be an interesting uh, wink, one for me, 24. Yeah. yeah. See? Um, um, I'm going to see it at New York. I mean, that's yeah, that's one that... That'll be interesting people, to see how it does. It could just yeah, be an indie spirit play. It could maybe break through. You never know. Could be. I mean, I think I think their their best bet is to really push you know, Simon Rex and, and the girl and, and really push the fact that these are not you know traditional performances yeah like look 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 because that's 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 sean baker's thing that's what chris bergash that's what they do so well is they they write a character and then they find that character in the world which is absurd that they can do it i'm i mean i'm friendly with chris so like i'm happy that he succeeds but i'm always stunned that they do like it makes no sense that they can do it every time too um but you know i want to see the movie i'm i'm very curious what it's going to do but Keep in mind, Florida Project, probably more accessible, only got one nomination. Not that it matters, but we'll see. Uh, what else play that we want to talk about before we go? Cyrano. Uh, Cyrano, got, Cyrano got a couple of bad reviews, but was mostly liked. That's uh, one that I, I, I better think... better than what Joe Wright's gotten earlier in yes. the year in the past. 
I would say I would say that's one where you can look for maybe a song nomination because the the two guys from the National wrote mm-hmm. the music, costumes uh, maybe, costumes production potentially. design. Yeah, I don't know that the above the line stuff is super likely. Dinklage but could happen. Dinklage, Dinklage yeah. maybe, but yeah, you know, him getting one, that prize at Telluride that'll help. You know, I mean, they, it certainly they, doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, well, that's usually one, when they give out prizes, those usually favor well, and a lot of people. I know where some people were mixed on the film overall, but they everyone unanimously agreed how great Dinklage. Yeah, I mean the is. the challenge there is one getting people to watch a movie that they've seen a million times before. True. And two, is it something that will will just break through? Because you know, yeah, mm-hmm. they have a good record with their awards, but it's still Amazon, last year, right? this year. It's also a pandemic season. Mm-hmm. You just you don't really know. Like I, the sort of predominant buzz that I'm hearing overall, which I found a little interesting, is that people think the Academy is going to struggle to get to ten. I don't, which think I think so. is silly. Yeah, I mean, it just means they're going to have to like think outside the box. But that just it puzzles people because if you go, all right, I feel good about six or seven movies. We'll get to that point, you know, and then the rest will be, well, what do they do with X? What do they do with Y? Well, and I'm, also I like we- that. We're not going to have premieres for House of Gucci, Don't Look Up, uh, Soggy, uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson film, aka Soggy Bottom, to some people, uh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, we still have The Last Duel has not premiered yet. Isn't um, that going? That is going to be at Venice, right? That will be at, at the Venice towards the tail end, out of competition. Um, you know, there's there's still plenty to be announced. Yeah. Um, but if you add all those films, let's say all those films land, right? Which, I mean, most of them might, most of I them mean, might not. You I mean, normally have... they won't. I will just say that this year there is the possibility that because so many people are back at a festival for the first time, that it may be beneficial. So yeah, just I mean, keep that in the back of everyone's mind. So let's say if they did, Joe, just like love their favorites, right? And it yeah. wasn't like a year where, well, I mean... The French Dispatch went to Telluride, had mixed reactions. It had mixed reactions that it can, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we've seen the movie from Academy-friendly directors get in before, and it's a year of 10, and if enough people with that giant ensemble like it, they, that could get in. Yeah, for uh, now, you have to keep it in your 10. Yeah, Parallel Mothers, people love Almodovar, so when more people get to see it, maybe, you know, Cruz, maybe Almodovar and script, you know, there's always the foreign director component. Pablo Sorrentino's film has played really well. Um, you know, uh, Power of the Dog. I mean, all the films that we've mentioned so far, that's not even including films from earlier in the year. Um, yeah, the two things I want to bring up before we wrap up are one other film is Dear Evan Hansen, which <laughs> is going to be at TIFF. So the funny part is easy to make fun of, right? It was a big punching bag on, on social media. The people who have seen it like the movie. Now, there's that's a there's a far cry between liking it and nominating it but i might one thing that i'm wondering about is if they had cast that role age appropriate yeah would it be a bigger player maybe but then also too like you forget another film too west side stories there well Um, west side story we have no idea what's going on with that well i mean it'll screen eventually it'll screen eventually and then it'll probably do well um, yeah, and of, then, of all the musicals, that's the one that's probably going to begrudgingly do the best. Yeah, but I mean, listen, don't always go by what you hear when you hear rumblings. Because before we wrap up, I just want to say uh, the card counter comes out on Friday. 
<laughs> my review is up on the site. Yeah, that played at Venice, right? Yeah, and I heard or, I've heard good things out of Venice. And that's the here's the interesting thing. Everybody that I spoke to at my screening in general did not care for that movie except me. I thought mm. I was the only one who liked it. It is one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. well, I mean it doesn't have like a, a plethora of reviews. I believe it has more now. I'm gonna look it up when we um, but, well, but it I, is it is one of those things where you have to pay attention to just because you hear one thing doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It's down to ninety six. Okay. So somebody finally wrote their their negative review. Armand. Um, twenty seven reviews so far. There you go. Um, the negative I mean, review is how cool would it be if it was Armand White? Uh, it is Tony Macklin of TonyMacklin.net who says, "Who is the audience for the card counter?" Joey you know Madison. you're watching a Paul Schrader movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna discount this review a well, little bit. I will, I will say, Joe, um, from the, the Las one, Vegas Film Critics Society, the one, there's not enough cards in it for him. The one, <laughs> there you go, uh, too much counting. But yeah. uh, I, I will say the one interesting one that I saw this week, and and I, it makes me interested to see the film. But it, I know, I knew going in, it was not. An awards player and anyone that said that it was was sort of uh, fooling themselves was the first reactions to last night in soho um uh, yeah kind of mixed very mixed uh some shockingly some mixed for him like i don't care for it yeah i think i think the he is not skirting by on people liking edgar wright i i mean i'm into it but then I, it goes but it could go to tiff next week when you're there or yeah. as or as you're listening listeners while he's there and be play better there than it does at venice like one place does not make it a lock or anything you just you just you know you gotta you gotta wait for a consensus more than anything else for yeah well well i'm there so while you're listening to this on thursday september 9th depending on when you're listening to it i will be either in a screening or having already seen my day one a hero eskar fahadi that's Where is Anne Frank and Dear Evan Hansen? That's my first day. What a day. Let's do that real quick. Then the next day, um, I have to work on my schedule a little bit here, but The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Which I've heard which got on. Yeah, Nick. Some people were like very surprised by it. Some people are like, it's boring. Yeah. Uh, the Power of the Dog, The Guilty, and potentially No Last Night in Soho. The next day, the worst person in the world. No joke. We're not doing a joke for that one. <laughs> no. All right. I had Dune. one, but I, I would edit and it Dune. out anyways. Then Sunday, I've got The Forgiven, which is um, Barry Levinson directing Ben Foster in a movie about a Jewish um, concentration heard. camp victim who's a boxer. I mean, 10 things. years ago... That's a Best Picture nominee, and he wins Best Actor. I I, I hear That's decent good. things. I just yeah. I want to believe. I'm going to see the star. Me too. I, well, I just like Ben Foster. He's a great actor. I love Ben Foster. I'm actually I I'm I'm vaguely friendly with Ben Foster um, from go. various Q and As and stuff. I want him to succeed. I want this movie to be good. I just I feel like oddly his taste is too good for it to be bad, but his taste is so non-commercial usually. Yeah. That he stumbles and like he stumbled into. You know, um, Hell or High Water. That was, he didn't sign on that thinking it was going to be Best Picture nominee. No. Um, so, yeah, I've got The Forgiven there. I've got The Starling, potentially Montana Story. 
Uh, that's when the embargo on Tammy Faye comes up, which I've already seen, so we'll talk about it then. Uh, Monday is Belfast. Tuesday is when I can catch up on some of the digital stuff if I miss. And then Wednesday, Spencer before I hop on a plane. So that is what I'm getting at. Um, Flea, I'm going to watch digitally that week. So if you haven't heard a title there and I haven't mentioned it, assume I've seen it already. And before we wrap up, I just want to do one more thing, just because. Uh, also premiering at Venice, we're not going to talk about it yet because it hasn't screened, is Halloween Kills. Ooh. Yeah. Steve, it's going to a film festival, baby. Sounds good. Yeah, I know I heard. I, I saw it last night. <laughs> not the film. I saw that on Twitter. And it's going? To Venice. That when is it playing? Does anyone know when it's playing? I don't know when it's playing. God, Venice goes on forever. Last so year, like... where is it? Wait, is it Venice? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was okay. at TIFF. Which is, the first one was at, at TIFF. It was a midnight show, right? Yeah, it was a midnight show. Yeah. Uh, I know that Jamie Lee Curtis is getting a special honor from Venice for it. Um, you know, some believe this is a quote unquote Oscar run for her. I don't buy into any. There's that. no way. Like, There's I know like, as much as as much as you and I, Joe, both know how good that script is. It's um, not Oscar friendly. And, for and her. what and what potential that could be. Um, there's no way they're going to go for it because they, you know, because of genre bias. And also, like, I just want to throw it out there: the script could have changed, but it yeah. looks broad strokes to be like what we saw and read. Yeah. She's a supporting player. Yeah, I mean, she's supporting in it less actress than the first movie, and supporting actress is filling up very quick. Yeah, um, like listen, I, I am going to be banging the drum for Anne Dowd to win an Oscar. But I also want uh, Martha Plimpton to be nominated. I was going to say, you mean Martha Plimpton. Uh-oh. That's that's what I love about this, is that they're both so both good. So good. And then there's Jason like, Isaac. You know well, Jason I mean? Isaac and Sporting Actor. I think Reed Burney is going to be the one who should have the luck. Because he's... He really doesn't have much to... Really... Well, his job is to be the one who's trying to be rational the whole time. Yeah. It's and a, it's a good that. performance, but it's it's also like, it's not as... He's uh, what needs emotional as the other. He is what makes the movie better because he's the marrow. He's he's the that guy. And you don't get like now people have seen the trailer. You don't get the scene of that. Like, why do you want to know? Because your son killed my son. Like, you don't get that without him very calmly being like, well, why do you want to know about our son? Like, you need that character because there there is a the the Jason Isaacs character and the Martha Plimpton character are big. Not in a like cartoony way, but they are all emotion, and Anne Dowd runs a gamut. So you need someone to keep it in check. Otherwise, it just becomes overwhelming. I think. But yeah, I, I definitely could see there is a world where it gets three acting nominations. It requires a very soft touch by Bleeker to get people to watch it, but quality-wise, it's it's right there. So we'll see. In any event, we're going to pause now and bring in Miles and Mitch, and we're going to talk a little bit more. Come in, guys. Yep, they're sitting down now. Theater of the mind. So, um, Grab yourself a drink. Ryan and Steve, tell us where you can be followed, and tell me one thing that you want to hear from me at TIFF. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can find all my stuff for Awards Radar and 
you know, in session film and awards watch and film speak and all the other places that I write for. You can also follow my other podcast, busting the block, um, where we're doing some fun stuff over there. Um, interaction that I'm looking most forward to hearing from Joey, um, that you like Dune because I know you're not a big sort of guy into the big franchises. And if they can buy it, if we, if you can buy into it, then I think that that's a good thing for its overall appearance. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? Like, and, 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 cause I, I think that this thing has the potential to be Warner Brothers next Lord of the Rings. Um, maybe probably better for you than the masterpiece that I think it is, Joe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you say positive things about Dune, then I, I know we've got something special on our hands. We will see. I mean, I know where it goes and I'm curious to see how they tackle it. I just, I wonder. And, yeah. uh, but I'll even if you out. say, so, even if you say, you know, middling things or soft things on it, Still look forward to the film. Oh, I'm not going to hate it. Like no, no. But if you are overly praising, you're like, this is great. Then you know, if that'll I love be it, like, okay, here we go. Yeah, pay attention. If I love it, if I hate it, pay attention because why? Why would you hate it? But why would you? If I'm it? like, if my if my review is is fine or it's decent or I'm a little disappointed that's or I'm a, a little that's impressed, what's expected. Yeah, yeah there, that's the the. The three to two, the three star or two and a half star review is, I think, what people are expecting out of me. Yeah, but so if it's a way, one and a half or a four star, then look out, folks. Yeah, I mean, again, I I want it to succeed. I just well, I'm not saying you don't. I I I, I want the biggest gap it's going to get over. The biggest hurdle it's going to get over is me not going. The fuck, this is half a movie, and I just spent two and a half <laughs> hours watching half a movie. I mean, and. And it does sound like there are other people who have had that issue. So if it doesn't do that for me, that's a good sign. Steve, you're up. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at FilmSnork. You can also check out my other podcast, The Verse, uh, for all your Marvel, Star Wars, and uh, pop culture needs. Good um, show, Steve. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I agree with Ryan. I want you to like that because I, too, I, I hate the idea of having this incomplete saga you know it's like i hope this oh, kicks if it i off. don't like it i want the part two yeah like that's i'm just i need to be the voice who says i don't think they're gonna make it because i can't be everyone going oh my god what a shock and this a disappointment like in a bubble it is a it is a huge gamble for them to spend another 200 million dollars on another one of these mm-hmm. <sighs> especially now it, it, we'll it's gonna be tough to make that money but i'm, I'm uh, oh yeah when it when it when it has a 30 million dollar box office hole they're going to have to figure out a way to justify it. Uh, you and know, that's I'm, where I'm worried. They're going to they pull the plug. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But my, uh, my mm. others was Spencer. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that and I'm hoping you love it. Cause uh, that's a good sign. So I right, just uh, set, cut me that check for the extra day of Airbnb that I need because okay. I'm staying there to watch it. There you go. For love of the game, baby. All right. So enjoy the second half of the podcast. Thank you guys for doing this. And, we will be arranging a uh, from Tiff episode. So you'll be hearing me in the uh, Great White North. And ironically, I'm in the midst of my Kevin Smith horror series uh, for Sunday Scaries, where at least two of the installments are Canadian horror films. So get out, you know, as as Justin Long once said infamously in Tusk, I don't want to die in Canada. And just like in a game of soccer, we've subbed out Ryan and Steve. And now we've got uh, Miles and Mitch. What's going on? Hey. Hello. Bye, Ryan. Bye, Steve. Good to see you both. 
Yeah, no, it was really interesting seeing you on the same day because that's totally how we're doing this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seamless. I don't think. I think we fooled everyone. All right. So before we call it quits today, I wanted to have everyone on, as you could tell. And uh, we kind of talked about the festival already, and there'll be more to come. The next episode will basically be a wrap-up of the festival, which is giving me anxiety just thinking about summarizing a thing I haven't done yet. But such is life. Uh, Though, we can backtrack a little bit right now before we get to reader questions, because we have Shang-Chi to talk a little bit more about. Steve and I talked about it two weeks ago, I think. And uh, Miles brought up Candyman. He only said it once, though, so didn't really do much for me. But I've already, if I've already covered it, up all the mirrors in my room, so I think I'm covered. Well, I don't know. The rules are pretty inconsistent in that movie. But we can we can bring it up a little bit. So uh, let's actually do that one first because we'll be a little quick on that. But Miles actually had messaged me a couple days ago asking if he was the only one on staff who liked the film. So I'll let him begin, and then Mitch can chime in after. Uh, well, yeah, actually, to that point, Mitch, you've seen it, right? What did you think? Yeah, so I I actually um saw it at the drive. They like opened uh the only drive-in now in Delaware, the state that I live in. Um, they opened it about a month ago, and it was my first time going to it. I went uh, on my birthday, which was the first time that I've seen a movie outside of my home uh, since the way back, the Ben Affleck movie in like March of twenty twenty. Um, oh wow, love that movie. So that was pretty cool. That was like a nice experience to have. I've been looking very much looking forward to Candyman for two years now. Um, the original one's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so in terms of that, I would say it was, you know, a bit disappointing. I don't think any movie could realistically live up to those expectations, probably. Um, I, th- I have more complicated feelings on it than I think... It's, it seems like the kind of consensus has been very negative or mostly positive. Um, and I kind of land somewhere in the middle where I think that I can see a lot of the ideas that are there, which I think are very interesting ideas. The idea of, you know, Candyman representing something that is repeating throughout history because gentrification and everything is pat- trying to patch over kind of the sins of the past and these systemic issues. And you can't ever patch over that kind of thing. You have to really dismantle it and build it up from the beginning. But we just keep trying to patch over, you know, racial injustice in this country. And the way that it keeps being brought up is really interesting. And I think that it's sketched out well enough in the movie that, you know, it kind of lands that point. Um, But I also just feel like it's, it feels like, a movie that's like three hours long that was cut up by the studio to be 90 minutes Mm. because it just feels like the ideas are there, but so much of the development of those ideas and especially of the characters themselves is just being rushed through and it's kind of all over the place. So it ended up feeling like a movie that was a little bit unsatisfying because it just didn't feel complete to me. And the more that I kind of thought about it afterwards and like the logistics of it, the more it kind of fell apart. But I think that Nita Costa is doing a lot of really interesting stuff stylistically that I really enjoyed. Sure. <clears throat> okay. Right, Miles, you're up. Yeah. No, um, I, I think you make a lot of really good points there. Um, I would say one of the movie's biggest shortcomings is, and I don't know if it was a case where there is a longer cut somewhere that just got hacked down so it could be a tight 90 minutes, but I do <laughs> think 
an extra 20 to 30 minutes on this movie would definitely benefit both in terms of character development and in terms of digging more into all the ideas that it presents. Because I think on the surface, those are very interesting ideas and integrating those ideas with a slasher lore and sort of this world building of this existing franchise, I think is a really innovative one. And I would have Mm -hmm. liked to see more of that. Um, So I think one of the biggest shortcomings of the film is that it the version that we get kind of bites off a bit more than it can chew when it comes to those themes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's also some third act developments that are a little either implausible or the setup is rushed. There's also that not very good bathroom scene you see in the trailers that really feels like a studio mandated reshoot because it has nothing to do with anything else. Um, But all that aside, I I guess maybe it helps that I didn't go into it with the biggest expectations because I've heard I was probably the last one to see it. I just saw it on Saturday. Um, So I'd heard everyone else sort of saying not great things about it, both here and uh, on social media. Although curiously, it does have a pretty high Rotten Tomatoes score. So it's stunning. It's been pretty divisive uh, take overall. When I talked with Ryan, I talked about that. Like I left my screening with most people shrugging their shoulders and I woke up to my review being the only negative one, which is terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, there's something interesting about it. So it's clearly landing for some people and not for others. I think for me, I didn't grow up with Candyman. I actually only watched it the whole thing through for the first time a few weeks ago, um, back when we did the whole thing where we were talking about uh, the second movie maybe being one of Bill Condon's best. Um, so that, so I'm a very recent convert and I love both of those movies. So I think from that perspective, even though there were a couple of things it tried to do that it didn't fully succeed at, Mm. I really enjoyed way more of it than I didn't. I think Nia DaCosta does some really cool things. Like you said, stylistically, there's a lot of great visuals throughout. It does a great job. I think of honoring the legacy of the previous, at least the original film while still very much being its own thing. I think the cast is all very solid, even when sometimes their characters are underwritten. Uh, I think it works as a slasher movie. I think there's some really creative kills and they do kind of mix up, you know, the way that the Candyman legend works. And it's not quite consistent with the earlier films, but I think I'm totally at peace with the new stuff that they're doing with it. Um, Mm. I think Yahya Abdul-Mateen II in particular is like one of the next big stars that we all need to be aware of. Like his last few performances have all been hum runs for me and this one's no exception. Uh, Very (coughs) what he does in The Matrix Mm. Resurrections. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go on about too long because it's been out for a few weeks now, but this is a movie that just landed for me. And even if it's not a complete home run, I still definitely I got exactly what I wanted out of it. Fair enough. And you guys can go back to what Ryan and I said for a somewhat differing viewpoint, though. I think we all kind of see we all saw the same movie, which I think is an important distinction. You know, there are times where you listen to someone who disagrees with you and it really seems like they watched a different movie. Right. And that's that's not the case here. It's just whether the things that landed landed harder, whether the things that didn't land, you know, were a bigger misfire. I think, you know, we both just felt like it could have been so much better. And, and yeah, it, it definitely was hacked to pieces in some way. Like the jump into the final section of the third act is wildly fast. Yeah. Like there's, there's scenes missing and it just, it, it hints at so much more was my thing. Like some of it's, it, it's largely an intelligent movie, but then there's moments that are dumb that feel yep. tacked on. And some of the slasher moments are just, 
it feels like they weren't their heart wasn't in some of that moments and it just it 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 I don't know. Like it didn't it didn't fully land. Like I don't not enjoy it. It's a very like mild thumbs down, but I have no like major issues with it. Like I hope the next one's better. So we'll see. Um on a thing I think we're somewhat more in tune with. Um we can also double back on more recently what everyone else has seen, that uh this week's savior of the theatrical experience, Shang-Chi. <laughs> Yeah, well, something we can touch on that uh, maybe wasn't really addressed last time that um, it was spoken about on the podcast is that it broke the record for uh, Labor Day weekend and had like an incredibly, I think, impressive uh, opening considering there's no streaming options for it. And that, you know, this I mean, obviously, it's got the Marvel name on it. But even with that, it's a pretty unknown character. Um, and is still a lower end Marvel opening. Like oh, absolutely. But that's taken. only when you take it completely out of context. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah. Well, that's with the, the context, it's like it's unreal how well it did, I think, with all. Of the oh, yeah. Context. No, the, well, the would you consider even, even something beneficial. like Free Guy earlier uh, this summer, which had a similar release situation and it did OK, but not anything special. This did like, you know, I mean, relative to its budget, it still has, you know, it's still going to leave money on the table at the end of the day. But I think within the current pandemic status and just yeah. the the uncertain state of cinema in general, I don't see how you can look at this as anything other than a big win. No, and it's almost even a number that you could have seen happen in, in regular times just because, like you said, it's not a character that the vast majority of Marvel fans know. Now... In normal times, people just go to Marvel. That's yeah. just what happens. But, I mean, if you look at, like, the Ant-Man movies, they're always on the lower end. And up until Ragnarok, Thor was on the lower end. Like, when the first Captain America was on the lower end. Like, there was... No, no one thought of them as failures, you know? So there was... It's definitely a success, I think. Sure. Well, but know, even then, because, you know, Ant-Man still got Paul Rudd uh, frontlining it. Exactly. Thor's a recognized character. You know, something like Black Panther was pre-established in other movies. This one, you know, the character hasn't shown up in anything before. Simulu isn't a star yet, although I'm sure he will be off the back of this. Unless, Yeah, um, unless you know the, the was it... Um, Someone's grocery. I forget the name. Kim's Grocery? Is that the, is that the Netflix? Kim's uh, Convenience. Kim's, Kim's Convenience, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's still not. That's that's not. He's not going to open a movie off the back of that. No, yeah. no, you need you need to be a you need to be playing a superhero to open a movie in that sense. Yeah. But, you know, like if you look at what they what they've accomplished, you know, and we're assuming actually I was pulling up the numbers. If they're right, it's a it's an ever so slightly less expensive Marvel movie. Yeah, it's only one hundred and fifty million. Which is funny because Black Widow is two hundred. I couldn't tell you where the extra fifty million. Yeah, I would. I was about to say this looks so much better Sean, than anything yeah. in Black Widow. Yep. And Black Widow, it's funny. So Black Widow, its opening weekend was eighty, but that was taking into account other things, right? Well, and that one also did have the Disney Plus option, which Shang Chi doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. Black Widow would have been bigger. Shang Chi was was what it was. I'm just looking at some of the other numbers in terms of like opening weekends. Um, Obviously, you know, you're going to take out Endgame and, and some of the bigger ones. But Ant-Man the Wasp was 75.8 instead of 75.3. So there's your your comparison. Like the sequel to a character that was sort of a second tier character did the same amount. You know, Doctor Strange, similar, right? I would say Doctor Strange is not 
you might have heard the name, but I don't know if you could tell me like what the deal was prior to the movie. Sure, well, that but did he did have Cumberbatch. Uh, Cumberbatch, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but he's he was I, he's a weird case. Like, I, what other movie has he opened? Uh, well, I don't know, even know it's necessarily about that, but he's at least a known quantity. People love him off of yeah. Sherlock, and uh, yeah, you sure, know, sure. Uh, I don't know if he'd done Imitation Game yet at that point, but if he, he did, had, then yeah, he was, he did. Then he was an Oscar years. nominee. It's not so much yeah, that he opened different... a big movie, but I think it's one of those things where that, in conjunction with the Marvel brand, is what sort sure. of sweetens. Yeah, the yeah, it's 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 apples and oranges, but yeah, no. The all, all told, this is this. It was a good thing for Marvel. It, it helped them save a little bit of face with the idea that, like, they they were kind of preparing to chalk it up as a failure in case it didn't land, which is, you know, not a great look when it's not a white male in your lead. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, they save face there, so now they can be like, no, this was always the plan. <laughs> so that's fine. Quality-wise, what did, what did everyone think? Because I'm on the record loving it. Steve loved it. Most people seem to love it. What about you two? Uh, Mitch, you go ahead. Um, I really liked it. I um, so for me, I'm one of the people who kind of has a seal, a little bit of a ceiling with um Marvel movies, just because they do have to fit into the package, right? Yeah. Um, no matter what kind of deviations they have, they have to fit into the same mold, and I do get a little bit. I don't know. I wouldn't say tired of it, but just a little bit like I can only like it to a certain amount. Um, But as far as being within that world goes, I think that this is up there with like Black Panther for me as probably one of the best ones that they've done. I think that within that realm, it has so much personality and a distinct personality compared to what they generally go for especially i think black widow comparing this just directly to black widow black willity black widow is one of the most like personality less marvel movies i think i've ever seen i watched that movie and had no idea what it was even doing like what the personality of that movie was i felt completely differently about shang chi like from the word go this felt like a movie that knew what it's like style what its voice was and it was something different than what we've seen in marvel before i think that Tony Leung is phenomenal in it. I think it's one of the best villains in like Marvel history, the movies at least. Um, it's a complicated character that doesn't feel like a villain. You get like what he's going for. You feel emotional connection with him. And I just really liked the structure, the style of it. It's not too long. The hand-to-hand action is fantastic. I was really engaged with all of it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's one of the best ones that they've done so far. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's I was just realizing that I didn't update my rankings that I did on the site a while ago. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, I don't have to do that every time. We'll, we'll hit, I'll hit it again when Eternals comes up. But I would say it's it's upper echelon. It, it <clears throat> the things it does that I don't love are so small. Yeah. And so kind of baked into Marvel like the like enough people have seen it now that I can I can be a little less vague, like the, the dragon thing at the end, like right like but it, you know it's a marvel thing we need a cgi thing at some point for you to fight it's just it's what we do yeah so, it's like there's the, the little it. bit of like cgi mush at the end i don't really like the aquafina character the like comedic See, I, I did like her which is funny because i don't usually like her as an actress yeah i thought this was a better version of like the the large she's her comedy is big as a general rule so like mm. this was i think like the right version of it for me uh, but you know, it, mileage can vary there. The the thing that I like 
And before we move on from this, because I also want to talk about another movie that only I've seen, but I think you guys will be interested, is um, did anyone else get the sense when they started to build the world beyond Shang-Chi, right? So a lot of the movie is building up the mythology of this character because nobody knows. But towards the end, they start to hint at the MCU, right, with the rings and the what's behind that uh, the door kind of thing. Like, did anyone else get the sense that there was going to be a uh, a Kang situation going on at some point in this movie? I wouldn't have said so in this movie. No, I thought at most it would maybe get teased in one of the post credits, which yeah. didn't end up but happening. If anything, I, I would so, say there's the one post credits without giving anything away that might tease into something leading into the Eternals. Um, well, that's what I was trying to figure out. So the without getting specific, the rings are like, you know, the rings are, are attracting something in the same way that like the stone. They're, they're the stones, it seems like. Potentially, except that they're much more locked into one specific character. Yeah, Yeah, they're not going to transfer ownership, it seems, but they seem to be a a beacon of sorts. But yeah, they could be the Eternals. I think it could be Kang. Like, it could be anything. It's just, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, this is a successful film. There's a reason it made money. It's good. See it if you haven't. Um, Oh, yeah. um, Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, real quick, because I only really talked about box office stuff. Um, no, I, I love this one. I agree with you guys completely. Um, I did put it in my rankings and it did crack my top 10. Um, yeah, it's, be in my top 10, I think. it's probably my favorite origin story they've done since the original Iron Man, honestly. And, mm. uh, as somebody who kind of the opposite of you, Mitch, I'm kind of a mark for these kind of things. Um, <laughs> I would say it's easily the best Marvel thing I've seen this year. Like with all the, better- with all the series and everything else, this for me was for sure. absolutely sort of the biggest winner. I love love that you know this is a guy who essentially his big superpower is being really good at kung fu and i really appreciate that they took the time to make sure the kung fu was like fucking boss level because like some of the fight sequences in this movie are like really impressive just by the standards of martial arts films let alone martial arts in a marvel movie because you know fucking captain america does kung fu you know it's not inherently unique but there's something about the way they're executed in this film that makes it feel very Hmm. specific to these characters um i I it's also a good intro to kung fu if you're not you know, if you're a younger viewer or a very, like, American cinema-centric viewer and you've yeah. never watched that, it's a pretty good, like, intro. Because I, I don't know. Not to, not to sidetrack, but I don't know if if, if you were introducing someone to, a, to Kung Fu, I don't know what you would show them. And this might be the answer. Because I can see someone who doesn't know anything about it and doesn't have an inherent interest. You can't show them Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or Hero or House of Flying Daggers. They're going to be bored. Not that the movies are boring, necessarily. But they'll be bored. So I think this is an interesting, like, start. Oh, yeah. No, as a gateway drug type film, I think it would absolutely work that way. And I hope that it uh, encourages people to seek out the Wuxia films, like you were just saying, or like some classic Jackie Chan films or stuff like that. Because I think this does a really good job at paying homage to stuff that came before. But also there's such a wonderful treasure trove of cinema out there that's very much in this vein if people feel the desire to discover it. Um, and yeah. speaking of somebody who's worked in many of those films before, Tony Leung, I completely agree with you. I think he's one of the best villains they've ever had. And I like that they didn't just rehash 
the thing that they've kind of been doing ever since Killmonger. Uh, we saw it again most recently in Falcon and Winter Soldier and a couple of other places. It's the villain who like is right, but they're just a little bit too violent about it because that's already yeah. starting to become a trope that I'm already kind of over. This he, his motivations and you know the way he went about things felt very distinct from I think any villain Marvel has done before, and I really appreciated that. Um, and as far as Aquafina, I. I don't know. I've always been a fan of hers. Um, I think she's employed well here, and I think she and Simuliu have a very easy chemistry together, uh, which I think helps on both sides of the spectrum. If you don't usually like her, it sort of softens it, and if you do usually like her, she's somewhat more restrained. Um, there's another comic relief character who shows up, who I'm not going to spoil, but um, yeah, he terrific. He he's good. I'm glad they. Without giving anything away, I'm glad he was brought back. He did come right up to the line of being potentially overused, um, where he kind of wore out his welcome. They didn't quite get there, but they were right up to the line. Um, it was surprising that he stayed around as long as he did. Yeah, yeah and, and I appreciate I would say that I'm on the it. I'm on the opposite end of you guys on that one. That's like my least favorite thing about the movie. I really wish that wasn't part of it. Yeah, it was Fair a little. Enough. It, it, uh, less would might have been more in that case and i think honestly the things for me that i like the least about the movie and these are more nitpicks but i think that th- they're the things that do f- make it force it to fit into the marvel formula there's a yeah. lot of you know we go to this location we get this piece of information or we meet this character and then we go here and then we go there and there's also some of the flashbacks i like the flashbacks in and of themselves but the way that they're integrated into the movie was a little head scratching at times like there's some yeah. really pivotal character information that you don't learn until like the last 30 minutes that i feel like would have made way more sense to introduce earlier on um but no i mean minor quibbles you know it's a big cgi battle at the end but by the standards of marvel things it's one of the better big cgi battles they've done in a while um i this this one was a winner for me for sure and i'm very excited to see more of the character and looking forward to the inevitable sequel awesome cool um i want to talk briefly about a movie that will not get a sequel um so there's gonna be things that i can't talk about yet that i'll talk about next week um, some things that more than one of us have seen, like Mitch, you've seen a movie that uh, involves makeup, right? Yes. Perhaps a large amount of makeup on one person. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll we'll wait a little bit. We have slightly diverging opinions on that, but not super divergent, I think. <laughs> well, wait. Now I'm interested. Think, what are you talking about? It's a movie that's premiering at TIFF. Perhaps uh, there are eyes that are very significant. In it. <laughs> These eyes have seen a lot of love. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it off air. Next week, when we can talk about everything, we'll do that. I'm actually watching something else that I can't talk about yet. But I think oh, I hinted. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Another thing that I hinted about a little while ago that I'd seen and couldn't talk about, Embargo dropped a couple days ago, which is the card counter. And that was another very interesting situation that everyone I talked to didn't like the movie. Like, some people intensely didn't like the movie. I liked it quite a bit, actually. And then I wake up and it's at 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. So, (laughs) strange. But I'm very curious what's going to happen with the sort of wider consensus. Um, What do you two think about First Reform? Let's start there. Uh, I'm not usually a Paul Schrader guy. I mean, I love his screenplay for Taxi Driver and stuff like that, but... 
Otherwise, his yeah, movies are pretty cold for me. You have a cap on, on nihilism, I think. I definitely do. That said, I really <laughs> loved First Reformed. I think it's easily the best thing he's directed. I think Ethan Hawke is amazing in it. Um, it was a movie that I didn't go into with many expectations, but just absolutely, I thought, hit the nail on the head as far as what it was doing. And from what I've seen, the card counter looks quite similar in its approach. So that's got me pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. Mitch? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a really big Paul Schrader fan. He's probably one of my favorite, like, filmmakers in general working right now i do not have a cap on nihilism um and first first reformed when i first saw it i i really liked what he was doing stylistically i loved i think it's ethan Hawke's best performance i think he's a great actor and it's kind of one of those performances that feels like something that an actor has been building to his entire career um i feel First Reformed, I felt, is a little bit too much. It's almost like a direct remake of the Bergman film Winter Light with like a little dash of the Robert Brace on film Diary of a Country Priest. And it felt almost... God, I hate that movie. (laughs) It's one of my least favorite films. That's why I think First Reformed didn't work for me. Diary of a Country Priest, I actively despise. And I know I'm wrong. But I can't help it. It's it's one of those, if you're into Brayson, it's, like, good. If you're not into, like, his very minimalist kind of uh, aesthetic, you can just, like, not in, get on board with it. I saw it in college, and our French film seminar just was chanting, die, die, die Jesus. by the end. <laughs> like, we just couldn't stand it. Yeah. Um, I get it. I, I like it. I, it's not one of my favorite Brayson films, um, but I like it. Uh, Winter Light is one of my, like, all-time favorite movies. So I felt First Reformed was a little bit too like derivative of those but the longer that i've gone with it the more i kind of appreciate it as its own thing and more of like an almost an update of those movies winter light is very much about um nuclear paranoia of the time first reformed obviously is about climate change which now is you know even more prevalent than it was a few years ago when it came out so i wouldn't say it's my favorite paul schrader movie but i really like it and have grown to appreciate it more kind of over time so i'm i'm really really excited to see the card counter what i so i'm just curious for a second before i talk about that you you what how do you feel about the Paul Schrader kind of like nadir like the prior to first reform so for those who don't know okay so oh you mean like the canyons and bullshit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so like you know since you know taxi driver and and, and stuff you know blue collar and hardcore he made and then was back to some screenplays the american gigolo raging bull obviously so like in and out of like directing and writing right and that just kind of goes on until I was, let's start with 2002. All right. So he directs autofocus. It's fine, but it, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty dark. So I guess it is him, but also not really a little conventional for Paul Schrader. Yeah. He, it does, you can tell he didn't write it. Uh, he does that exorcist prequel, which I don't remember if that's the better or worse one, but they're both bad. So it doesn't really matter. Um, the Walker, fair but i still don't know why it exists if that makes sense i know it's supposed to be like i think he said it was supposed to be sort of a spiritual sequel like taxi driver and american gigolo like that kind of like worker but it's not that kind of movie that's 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 a very generous reading on it yeah adam resurrected which if you've seen it that's that's an interesting I, i i you're one of the seven it got a little bit of buzz if you remember about like Jeff Goldblum. But yeah. That was that was really it. 
It's also a very unpleasant movie. Not necessarily bad, but just unpleasant. Uh, then there's The Canyons, which, wonderful, wonderful film. <laughs> um, but then, so here's the thing. Between The Canyons, so he goes from Adam Resurrected, doesn't make a movie for like five years, gets The Canyons done, and, you know, lives to tell about it. He does The Dying of the Light and Dog Eat Dog, which are Nicolas Cage, like, crap movies. So, so Mitch, defend those. I mean, I think I think he's always doing stuff that's interesting. You know, there are certainly that, as you said, is kind of the nadir of his career. But it's a different kind of nadir, I think, than somebody like a Rob Reiner or, sure, you know, like a Barry Levinson, like we talked about, I think, a couple episodes ago, where they just kind of go into this like safe mode where they're just churning out like vanilla stuff over and over. I think that Paul Schrader's always God. taking swings. Um yeah. and so I, I admire that. I always admire somebody sure. who is trying to do something, even if it doesn't necessarily work. And he's always working with great actors. I think actors really respect him. Um I mean maybe not the canyons with uh Lohan and the porn star James Dean, not the dead one. Um but like Doggy Dog and Dying in Light have Nicolas Cage. One has Anton Yelchin. One has Willem Dafoe, who's like always working with him. So I think there's always interesting yeah. stuff in his movies, even if they're not fully successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe the less he talks, the better. We'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure Focus agrees very much with that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I thought the movie was very good. It, it it's a little. It's I, lighter is the wrong word, but the the like pitch black view of humanity is kind of in the background more than the foreground. Mm. And I found that interesting. Like there's, there's, there's a sense of someone actually trying to do right in life and obviously it gets to some dark places, but it's, it's interesting. You just kind of, you spend a lot of it waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's, it's an interesting skill set. I think he has there. Cause he, he seems aware that, you know, that your instinct is everything bad must happen. Right. And it doesn't quite all go that way. So I want to talk about it more once uh, everyone sees it. Yeah, I'm gonna see it on. I'm gonna see it on Thursday night. So all right, cool. So next week or the week after, we'll get back to it. Um, before we we wrap up, I want to do questions. We have, I think, two. <clears throat> we have a very quick one from La- Rosalind Fifty One tweet. What is the behind the scenes buzz of Camille Griffin's dark comedy Silent Night at TIFF? The answer is uh, none, to my knowledge. Uh, I think this is a person who might be in the film, but. It's just not one that I know of, but that doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means, uh, unfortunately, with limited time at these things, you tend to go for the higher profile stuff and you you sort of duck into the lower key stuff when there's time, which is a shame, but that is sort of just how it goes. So I don't know that anyone has a thing on that one to share. I was going to see it because uh, it has Kira Knightley in it, and I'm always does. here to rep for Kira Knightley, but um, it was one of the uh, several movies that was uh, said that it was going to be available for digital press in the U.S., and then when we kind of got all of our credentials today and logged into the portal, it suddenly is nowhere to be found, and it's apparently now not going to be available, so I don't think I'll be able to see that it. Is, that is one of the quirks of when I made my schedule, of like, oh, I guess I'm seeing the power of the dog and the starling in a theater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and there was one or two others, but listen, we, we pivot. Uh, 
So let's, let's finish up with Ryan McDermott's uh, Film Hawk Face-Off. These are films that were shown at recent Venice film festivals that I'm reasonably certain everyone has seen. Well, mm. sorry, it's only half of us, but you got there. Um, Nomadland or One Night in Miami? Um, I, I would definitely go One Night in Miami between the two. It was in my, I think, top three of last year. Um, it's one that I think was definitely robbed for picture and director nominations, especially out of the, I'm just going to say it, not very great crop of films we had to choose from last year, uh, which isn't anyone's real fault. I just, it's one of the poorer selections that we've had in a very long time, but that was one that really stood out for me. I think the performances are great. It's for me at least. And I know not everyone feels this way. Um, it kind of transcended that feeling of just being a play on screen, which is something that, Mm -hmm. for example, Ma Rainey's black bottom, I think absolutely suffered from, uh, Nomadland is good. It's very beautiful. Francis is great in it, but it's not a movie that left any major impression on me. Fair. Yeah, I'm kind. I'm kind of of the same the same mind with that. Nomadland, I think is fine. You know, I I don't mind it. Um, but it didn't it didn't really leave any kind of uh resonating feeling with me or anything. One Night in Miami, I think, is really well done. I think the thing that I really appreciate the most about it is we've seen so many biopics. And we've seen, you know, most of these guys that they're portraying, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, in movies before. And it always feels like those movies are kind of held back almost by this um, sense that they're larger than life almost. So you feel like you're not even seeing a human being when you see them on screen. But One Night in Miami, I think, humanizes all four of these guys in really well done ways through the performances and the writing and the directing. And I just I love that about it. I think, yeah, I think it's one of the best movies of last year. Um, I did prefer it to know my land. So we're actually going to sweep here, which is kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> blow through this kind of quickly. Uh, marriage story or Ad Astra? Um, Ad Astra has a lot of interesting ideas, but isn't super interesting in execution. Uh, marriage story was terrific and has my current favorite performances of both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. So I got that one all the way. Awesome. If you'd asked me the day after I had seen each of them, I would have said Marriage Story, but weirdly, Marriage Story over time, I've liked less and less. Ad Astra over time, I've liked more and more. So at this point, I would actually say Ad Astra. It's a, it's, <clears throat> it's almost a push for me. I think they were like 11 and 12 in my lineup that year. Nice. Something like that. Like I, They both just missed, but were in my top 10. I... I quite, I mean, enjoy is hard, but <clears throat> I thought Marriage Story was as good as everyone said it was. And then with, uh, with Ed Astra, I, I was quite fond of it, but I, I do also understand how it was not for everyone. Like for me, it was it was kind of almost like a Springsteen song in a way, because it's about fathers, fathers and sons. I get it. It's not maybe what everyone wanted out of their big sci-fi movie, but they're both great. I think ever so slightly Marriage Story, but like... No, no shade on Ad Astra in the slightest. Um, next up, Roma or The Favorite? Um, yeah, Roma, I think for me, was a movie I respected more than I enjoyed. I think the craft is impeccable. It looks gorgeous. It's telling a compelling story. But for me, at least, I think there was an element of it where I felt like it was keeping me at arm's length. Um 
the favorite comes from one of my current favorite directors. It's so weird. It's so wild. It's got such great performances from everyone in the cast. Uh, that is a movie that makes me giddy that it did as well at the Oscars as it did, because even being like a period piece with all these conventional trappings, is just so much more bizarre than anything that they would normally embrace. So uh, I go the favorite. Yeah, the favorite almost feels like Yorgos like tricked them into liking a Yorgos movie, like to that degree. I know a lobster got nominated for the screenplay, but like to that degree, um, I, I like the favorite a lot. But Roma is maybe my second favorite movie of that. I mean, it might be my favorite movie of that year. If not, it's my second favorite movie of that year. So Roma definitely would be my pick Fair. out of the two. Fair enough. Um, I'm I'm on Miles's train. I, I appreciate Roma. I, I it, it it left me very cold. But I, I just, I knew I was watching a good film. I know this has to happen to other people, right? You, you yeah. very early on go, oh God, this isn't for me. But I have zero complaints. Like I, I was at the New York Film Festival. It was the centerpiece, I think. I don't remember. Opening, closing center. It was one of the big three. And about 10 minutes in when you, you settle into what the movie is, I was like, oh no. This has almost two hours still to go. <laughs> I, I'm not enjoying myself in the slightest. It's beautiful. Like everything about it is well executed. I just like it's mean to say, and I don't mean it that way, but I don't care if that makes sense. Like I just I wasn't invested in any way. Um, the favorite's great. It runs out of steam, but it's a great movie. So <clears throat> I will go the favorite. This next one's my, a tough one for me, but not for a good reason. Suspiria or the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Oh, this one isn't even a contest. Ballad of Buster Scruggs has like two and a half good sections out of its six and the rest is kind of the Cohen spinning their wheels. Uh, Suspiria is one of the best horror remakes of all time. And I would argue is even superior to the original. So that went all the way. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs is probably my least or other than Lady Killer. It's probably my least favorite Cohen brothers movie, but I still really like it. Um, so it just says what I think about the Cohen brothers. Uh, Suspiria, I really do not like. Um, I I just really really didn't care for it. So Ballad of Buster Scruggs definitely for me. Um, it's funny two filmmakers who I'm I I don't <clears throat> like nearly as much as everyone else. Uh, Luca, I, I'm always on the lower end, and same with the Coens unless it's like inside Lewin Davis. But I guess Buster Scruggs. I just I Suspiria was the most disappointing film of that year to me. It just did not work it for me in slice. It was pretentious and just not not good. But I know I'm in the minority there. Well, clearly now, not because I'm the only yeah, one you who got, voted you for got me it. with you. <laughs> well, that's true. Majority here, minority in like the film world, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then this one's a tough one. I mean, I know my answer because I know my ranking. But a Star is Born or First Man? Uh, Star is Born for sure. It's beautiful it's emotional it's maybe a little over long but i think the performances really sell it and keep it going past the point where it starts to run out of fumes and obviously the music is terrific uh first man did absolutely nothing for me uh which re was really disappointing because i love uh, chazelle's other films but it just felt kind of cold and inert and i just couldn't get on board with gosling's monotone portrayal of the character I, I'm probably like the one person who didn't really like A Star is Born. Um, 
I just felt it just felt too formulaic for me. I didn't really vibe with the characters. I thought Gaga's performance was good, but I I really didn't like Cooper's performance. It felt too artificial to me. And I feel like the the movie's treatment of suicide just felt kind of offensive to me. Um, so it just really left me with like a bad taste in my mouth. I think for First Man, it's not, it's certainly not my favorite Chazelle. Um, it did kind of leave me a little bit cold like my like it did with Miles, but I think it's doing enough interesting stuff that I like it more than I dislike it for sure. Um, so First Man for me. Uh, I love both of them. Uh, Stars Born was my favorite film of the year. So it's going to be that, but... I don't know why First Man worked as well for me as it did, because usually stuff that leaves me cold will like be deducted a few points, but I was I was there for every second. Yeah, I, I feel like I saw it in IMAX. I, think. I feel I feel like First Man is like it's one of those weird things where it's kind of supposed to leave you cold because the like interpretation of uh that man is that he was kind of cold and reserved. So it's almost like doing that intentionally and so like, oh, yeah. the fact it's, that it leaves you cold it kind of means that it's working you know i think it is a 100 percent successful film the yeah. problem is what is succeeding at is not only not particularly audience friendly it's oddly not oscar friendly yeah um, yeah very much. i just i always wonder what happened once they saw it once universal saw it did they did they panic or did they think they could make it work like i i wish i knew i feel like um, they thought that it could work until the the box office came in it feels like one of those movies where the box office came in can't say the same with um steve jobs like the box office came in nobody went to see it and then they were like oh okay this isn't gonna like get as much like oscar love as we thought let's just ditch it yeah unfortunately it means that marco rubio won an argument and i i can't abide by that also <laughs> Right, he was the one who complained. It was the, like, there's no American flag in the film. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't care about shit like that. I just <laughs> yeah. kind of boring, to be honest. I don't know. That's your re- that's your representative in the Senate. Well, okay, I am not my representative, so I don't know what you want from me. I don't know. I heard, I heard Marco Rubio, Rubio drop your name several times. You're his representative when it comes to film. Well, that is his choice to make. Fair enough. Uh, let's wrap up with a mount. Mount Rush Morgan Freeman. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Except you cannot choose the Shawshank Redemption. That one gets its own special monument. I agree. Oh, okay. So, I was about to say, I thought you were making that rule. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I agree. But uh, I got. I feel like Glory and, and Million Dollar Baby are there, and that covers awards, right? Um, Would, would Glory be there? I can leave out Glory. I think Million Dollar Baby should be in there because I was going to like say I probably wouldn't even include Million Dollar Baby. I mean, I would include I mean, Glory over Million Dollar Baby to be honest. Fair. I can go either way. Um, do we include like Dark Knight? I don't know because he's such a. I mean, he's good in them, but he's such a minor part of those movies. Uh, let's see. What is he? Olympus has fallen. <laughs> Transcendence. Oh, I'll give, I'll give you one that I think should definitely be on there. Uh, seven. I think seven is yeah. the most obvious one to me. Seven, seven's the first one for sure. Um, this won't go Invic- on there, but Invictus, like my, right? my, what'd you say? Invictus? I said Invictus as a joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look at his earlier. The weird thing for me is that my favorite performance of his is probably Street Smart. Um, but that, like, I, would, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, great. I wouldn't argue against that. I love you know what, it's only the three of us. Fuck it. There's two. <laughs> yeah. 
like driving miss daisy is like one that's like obvious but like i don't like the movie i don't think it's aged particularly well like in the that's, like, oh, that's the thing for me it feels so prop it feels so green booky problematic now. yeah like, well, we're, we're, i don't feel good about miss, including it we missed one one obvious one so let's try to find like a quirky one because the other one's unforgiven i yeah i just saw okay oh fair. you know what i'm i'm gonna propose one deep impact because he's he's the fucking man as the president Deep Impact's good. I was almost thinking like Bruce Almighty because like, I was everybody about to say just Bruce like Bruce Almighty as... too because he's God. Yeah. Either way, everybody I'll kind think, of I'll associates think... him with being God now because of that movie. Either way, or March of the Penguins. <laughs> wow, let's not get crazy. Bucket list. <laughs> um, no, you know what? I, I can I can deal with Bruce Almighty as the fourth. All right, I'm good with that. That works. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, you needed like a good like narrating movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, a, a awful movie, kind of awful. I don't even remember if it's awful, but has a great narration from him. It's a movie that has an awful title more so than an awful movie. Feast of Love. I never saw that one. Yeah, I don't think it's, I a Robert seen the ben- it's, a, it's a Robert Benton movie, which makes it wild still that like it might have been his last film. Mm. You know, which is funny because he's still alive. <laughs> is it his last one? I'm looking it up as we wrap up. Yeah. Last movie. Had him, had Morgan Freeman, Greg Kinnear, Rodda Mitchell, Billy, Billy Burke, Selma Blair, Jane Alexander, and had like a really interesting trailer, like a good narration. Movie was poor, I think. I remember hearing but that it was remember. like a lot, uh, like dirtier than you would. Yeah, no, think I it would be. I'm not gonna lie. One of the reasons I saw it at the time was I heard there was like a ample nudity because <laughs> it looks like a looks like a like a like a grandma movie. Yeah, which it, it might be, but. It, 39% according to what I see here. Um, apparently, Roger Ebert got very mad that it has Fred Ward's worst performance. Well, that's Roger a reasonable Ebert. thing to be mad about. Roger Ebert, notorious Fred Ward stan. All right, let's wrap up. We already have uh, half of the people's uh, wrap up. So what I want you guys to do is the same thing. Say where you can be found and... Uh, Miles, tell us the film at a tiff that you most want to hear about from me and or other people. Feel free not to mention Dune, since we know. Well, now we got to um, look up what else is at tiff. I don't know. If and uh, and Mitch, you can do that, but also maybe just say like the things you're planning on seeing because you're a little more limited. Okay. And actually, maybe Mitch go first while Miles looks up what's. Actually yeah, I've got to look yeah, stuff up. I don't know sense. off the top of my head. <laughs> um. So you can find me at. It is Mitchell on Twitter or at Mitchell on Letterboxd. Um, my writing is at various places, so just follow me on Twitter and I'll post, you know, my writing there. Um, at See, t- there's a man who knows how to not say other websites on the other website he write, writes for. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well done. I am tomorrow, as time of recording this, tomorrow I'm interviewing Natalie Morales for Awards Radar for um, Language Lessons, so that'll be up. You know, sometimes so that's very current. Exactly, Mark Duplass is currently up on the site. It was a great conversation. I uh, I told everyone off air, but um, this Friday and Saturday, if you happen to be in New York and you're brave enough to go to a movie theater after the seven thirty screenings of Language Lessons at the Angelica, I will be well in Toronto, skyping into the Angelica to moderate a Q and A with uh, Mark Duplass, who I believe is also skyping in. So. <laughs> That can't possibly go wrong in any way. 
Um, out of TIFF, yeah, I'm covering it digitally uh, in the U.S., which options are fairly limited, but I am getting to see Celine Siama's new movie, Petite Maman, which is my most anticipated. So as much as there is kind of dissatisfaction about not being able to see some other stuff, I am also kind of, that's like the one. If I hadn't been able to see that, I would have been bummed extremely um but i get to see it so i can't be too mad about it so i'm excited to see that and then otherwise just kind of going through a lot of midnight madness a lot of international stuff i'm gonna try to see um i saw this movie called saloon which is the first west african movie that's playing at midnight madness at tiff i already saw it i interviewed the director for it and it's really fucking good um so i would recommend anybody to see that who can see it um otherwise yeah i'm just kind of gonna be bouncing around Cool. Speaking of Midnight Madness, I've seen Titan. Yes. And God, is that a movie for the two of you? <laughs> I'm so excited. That's yeah. That's definitely the one that I'm most bummed that is not going to be available to me. I'm so excited to see it. It is wild, <laughs> and it's. I can't encourage it more. I can't. I can't tell you how much I encourage. And I might have said this earlier, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. It is an audience movie. Yeah. See it with people who are going to cringe. <laughs> I saw it. At a press screening with like six or seven other critics and there's a couple scenes where you just hear they're like oh and something's about to happen and it's wonderful <laughs> it's wonderful all right miles you're up right on uh so you can find me on both twitter and letterboxd at miles on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film please check out my short films american exorcist and once upon a dracula they're both on youtube under aftershock pictures and chase capo respectively and if you're in the jacksonville florida area and don't mind going to see some live theater uh this is my last weekend of rumors at players by the sea come say hi uh, and then as far as TIFF, uh, just looking up what they've got, I would say uh, outside of the ones that have already recently premiered at uh, Venice or Telluride or that we've otherwise heard reactions to, um, just glancing through some of these, um, some of the ones I'm probably most interested in would be um, uh, Zhang Yimou's new film, uh, One Second, or uh, The Forgiven from um, uh, John Michael McDonough. Interesting. Uh, working on on seeing them, no promises. Uh, oh, and the humans looks cool too. I was actually supposed to have seen it here in New York already, but I had to skip it so I could actually get my PNI tickets today. So t- I could have seen one movie or locked in about a dozen and a half others. So yeah. unfortunately, that took a little bit, but I should be seeing it up there. So everyone knows where they can follow me. I also think I might have said my intro later on uh, early my exit stuff earlier so i'm gonna go get the last bit of sleep i'm gonna have for a while because right after this i get back and the new york film festival begins yeah well, and then that. right after <laughs> right after that ends film fest 919 begins and uh yeah that's uh that's gonna be a thing myff is uh, an interesting lineup though luckily i will have seen quite a bit of things which will help me immensely because my God, I, I'm going to be movied out, which is bad when this is what you do for a living. But such is the, this is the life we have chosen. So stay tuned. Next week, we're going to record our wrap up of uh, TIFF and uh, I guess preview of MYFF. So until then, uh, stay safe and we will see you at the movies. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.